Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. This week is the 23rd week of Men's Life Plus for Authentic Manhood, and it's entitled Fathers and Daughters. We're being led by the Summit Ministries pastor, Don Munton, and we are one week away from our final session. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. Travis Herzog, all right, men, or anything like that. I apologize, and I also have no idea what it's going to do today weather-wise, but I am having breakfast with Travis in a couple of hours. Um, he is, as a lot of you guys remember, his, his mother-in-law has had a lot of health issues, and they are having to always have someone there at home 24 hours a day, so it's affecting their church-going opportunity. Um, it's affecting his work schedule now, so he's realigned his work schedule to... Uh, enable him to stay at home to help take care of his mother-in-law and I don't know about y'all but you know I, that's a huge deal and I'm going to not podcast these announcements but if, if I had to do that for my mother-in-law I don't know if I would I'm just I mean I'm just saying we don't get along that well and, and that would be really a challenge just, and my wife's yeah anyway um yeah good morning good morning men excellent yeah Hey, it is week 23, and uh, I hope you all had a great week off um, for, you know, for Easter. It's absolutely one of my absolute favorite times of year, and, and so I, I hope you took advantage of having a time to sleep in and, and really invested some of that extra rest, hopefully, into something that helps center your heart and your mind on Christ and on who He is. And I know for me, as, as the quest, there's some stuff that got dug up last year when I was going through it that I definitely had to focus a lot on the fact that God was alive and with me and his power was real. And so <clears throat> this week we are going to be looking at uh, fathers and daughters and, and Don is going to be leading us in that study. Um, I want to give you a couple of uh, event, I guess, debriefs real quickly. We had our mission trip uh, a couple of weeks ago now for the Band of Brothers. It was in Acuna, Mexico. I think last week we shared it went really, really well. In August, we're going to be going back, and this time we're inviting, it, men can come, but we're also inviting men to bring their wives with them. We want to, uh, to expand it a little bit, and so we're going to have some very specific things that a husband and wife could do together on mission together. And so as we're learning to, to shun passivity and accept responsibility, and a natural outflow of that is also to be on mission together and to spiritually lead our homes or spiritually lead our families. And so pray about that. We'll have more information coming out to you, but, but it really is going to be we want to see husbands and wives, and then we're going to have some devotions that are focused on helping build up that relationship on the mission field together. And it will be really cost-effective, but that should be in, I think it's the second week of August this summer coming up. Um, also going on right now is a class called Roles of a Man, and it is a great addendum to this study that we're in right now. And I'm not saying, hey, double dip or anything, but, but if you're able to, I know a couple of you are coming on Wednesday nights and coming back on Thursday morning. I know last night Don and I taught that, and Don's teaching this morning, and I really don't want to ask him how many hours of sleep he got. But, uh, oh, okay, yeah, he got 28 hours last night, which is incredible, incredible. Um, next week is going to be our last week. It's week 24, and I'm teaching that. It's called A Man and His Life Journey, and it's... Uh, Hopefully, it, it will tie together a lot of the phases of life that we go through as men, whatever chapter. We've got younger guys and older guys. We've got marrieds and singles. we got all that together, and it's, it's going to be, a really, I think, a really important time. But, but nothing will be more important, really, all the teaching that we've done, the different speakers we brought in, Afshin Ziafat coming in, sharing his testimony, sharing about how Christ heals the heart wound inside of us. All of that will be for naught. If, if we as men don't take that, that next step, the one thing we've been asking you, and that is reflect prayerfully on your life and invest some hours into having an action plan. I'm just telling you, autopilot will not result in godly character in your life, and it won't result in the life that you really desire to live. It's not why Christ came. And, and you know that that's the heart of, of Pastor Greg. I mean, his heart is that every man in our church would go through this material, but they wouldn't just go through it and did it, did it, Pastor Greg, but they would actually do it 
And I, I just applaud y'all for being here. I really do. I applaud y'all for making it through because it is not easy. I'm exhausted. It's week 23. I, I, it just It's a long, long deal. And some of this is emotionally tough and some of it's spiritually tough. But I, I applaud you for being here. I really do. And I, I just want to encourage you. Manhood plan inside each binder are some examples. If you would like examples of manhood plans, I emailed. Did everyone get the email yesterday? Did everyone? Did anyone go on the link to the HFBC and then click on resources? Did it work? It worked. And, and what did you find there? Okay, on on the book of James. Yeah, we've got lots of little resources up there. Um, take advantage of that, and there's also a Word document on there that is basically the manhood plan with, no, with nothing else in it. So you can just download it to your computer. You don't have to type the questions out, but you can just put your answers into it on your computer and save it because, as you've heard from some of the men that have been through this before, it will be an ongoing thing in your life because life will change, circumstances change, and you need to adjust with it. It's not a one-and-done deal for men. We're always growing. We're always taking that next step forward. And so the manhood plan is really this organic, open-ended dialogue between you and God and whoever your, your brothers in Christ are that are praying for you and encouraging you. That's what it's meant to be. It's not meant to be a one-and-done deal. We have a ski trip uh, that we need to just be prayerful of coming up next week. It's really great. We've had you know more men than we, than we actually, I think, had spots for type of deal, but it's going to be a great, fun time. Of, of skiing, and we want to pray for them. We have Dads of Destiny coming up. Uh, I believe it's April the 9th. So if you are a father, and some of the stuff we've gone through has sort of, you know, piqued your your curiosity, it is a sort of boot camp for dads, and it's it, it is it's uh, it's some Bible study that you actually do at home. It's also some real interactive time at at table, similar to this with other fathers, and it, it would be a really rewarding time. Rick Wirtz. Who is, a, who is the head of Faithful Father Initiative of Texas. He will be leading that. He, he came in last year. He's coming in this year. We have a relationship with their ministry. We help support their ministry uh, financially. Our men's ministry does. I 100% believe in what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. And we're honored to get to have them here. And I, I really want to see some men and dads take advantage of that. And then, uh, let me see, time was. We're, we're getting ready to get Don up here. In fact, why don't we do that? Um, let's pray, and then we will uh, we'll get we'll get done. Oh, one last thing, I want to hold this up. At winning at work and winning at home is the second year of the material that you've just gone through, and really talks about. Some of you may be saying, "Why?" Well, a lot of data I've had, and you know, how do I balance life out? Because I, I I'd get fired if I do something, you know if I try to implement everything, and how do I balance out my professional life, my family life, the spiritual life, all these different areas. And in America, we compartmentalize. I do it all the time. And so this is a, a class designed to really very, very practically help you walk through and walk out your manhood plan. It's 16 weeks long. It's not 24 weeks long. So we're going to start it in September, and we'll be done in January. So it's a, a lot tighter, not strung out through two big semesters. But Go ahead and put that on your radar. Put that on your calendar. More information will be forthcoming, but we're excited about it. And all the men that went through this last year, there were about 300 men that went through it last year. Uh, this year we've had between Sunday and now we've had probably 80, 80 or 90 men going through this material. I would love it if all of them, you know, we're going we're gonna to deliver it on Sunday evenings again and Thursday mornings, I believe. I don't want to overcommit, but, you know, that's what we're working on right now. And, and let's give a, a hand to Lang Motes right now. He has done a ton. He has done a ton organizing and, and getting stuff, you know, going for Quest. It, it really wouldn't have happened this year without the men that have been volunteering. And, and next week I'll give you more of their names and I don't want to overlook anyone today, but, but I know Lang has been behind the scenes working from day one, before day one. So it's an honor. And, and, and if any of y'all want to be on that type of team next year when we do this year, too, because we're, we're going to need men to lead a table. We're going to need men to, to greet people. We're going to need men to help us get word out, you know, because I, I want the men to be changed at our church. I want us to rise up and lead. I don't want us to be 
the average American church where women dominate and men sit by and could care less about what's happening. I want us to be all about harnessed together the kingdom of God. So let's pray. Let's bring Don up here. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we rejoice uh, in your creation. We could not have had better weather. Uh, we couldn't have had a, a better opportunity just this past Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of, of Christ. And, and Father God, we are here today as men, God, crying out to you to say, Lord, in your resurrection, resurrect in us the spirit that you desire to be in us, that we would shun passivity, we would accept responsibility, we would lead courageously, and we would expect your great rewards, God, that we would not just be consumed with the busyness of this world and miss our destiny in you. Father, I thank you for Don. I thank you for his labor of love. I know he loves men, and he loves to teach. And, uh, Father, I thank you for him being here today. I ask that you would give him energy and strength. You would speak through him. You would anoint him. Father God, that uh, some of the wisdom he has gleaned from, from parenting Abby for 13 or 14 years would be passed on to us as men. And, and Father, whether or not we're dads now, God, we have nieces, and we have cousins, and we have people around us we can invest in. So help us not just to, to sit back, but God, to really be engaged. And, and we thank you, and we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Around all over Chicago, but you never come here to ask me, can you date my daughter? Well, I'm sorry, but I'll ask you if I can date your daughter. Sir, she's 30 years old. I am the head of this house. Okay. May I please date your daughter? No! I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, he's sure playing up this because it's been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Dave. Merry Christmas, Kevin. Yeah. Have a good one. Merry Christmas, Kevin. Thank you, guys. Hey, Dad. Hello. These are from Mr. Wagner's store. Thought Radio might be needing a few shirts. Great, thanks. Mm -hmm. This is nice. You getting folks to help Radio out? Yeah. No shortage of people feeling sorry for him. I'm not asking people to feel sorry for him. The last thing you need. Okay. Look, Mary Ellen. I know we haven't had much chance to talk lately. And plenty of chances, Daddy. You just don't take any of them. It's all right. Radio needs what you're doing more than I do. Look, what, what Time to go, Coco. Time to go. Time to go. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas, baby. Ooh, present. Hey, Bunch of See you at home. How we interact with the daughters is uh, one of the most important things. We've been talking about how to interact with wives. We've been talking about how to interact with society. We talked about, I think, last week, the idea of how to interact with our sons. And uh, this week, we'll talk about how to interact with our daughters. And I think one of the, uh, it's debatable, I guess, but one of the uh, things for us as men, I think, that are is facing our society is how women, uh, how our daughters are being raised. We saw kind of the first example of the big fat Greek wedding in which uh, the dad kind of wants to stand in the middle because the, the man wanting to date the daughter and he stands in, the, in between those. And then you have the second example where the uh, dad has uh, had the opportunity but has not taken the opportunity to interact. And so life has gotten busy. They've, as he goes along, he misses out on the opportunity, and now it's uh, potentially too late. I think there are several things 
that uh, are going to be serious challenges to our daughters that we face in the United States culture. So I have a daughter who's 14. It's interesting. We talk a lot about when she's going to be married. And as uh, we talk about those things, one of the days we talk about, and the moments we talk about, is when I give her away. And she wants to talk about that with me. She wants to have that interaction with me. And so she saw a, a cousin just get married, and uh, she said, Dad, what's it going to be like when you give me away? And so we talked about that. I get to do a lot of weddings, and so uh, as a single adult minister, I do uh, a lot. I, I'm probably the only guy that kind of looks at marriage, Aaron, I don't mean this wrong in any way, uh, Chris, I, I, but in some ways, it's kind of a bittersweet moment for me. You know, all my good help leaves me and goes someplace else, and so I marry them, and then they say, see ya, and uh, good luck with all the single stuff, Don, and uh, they leave and never come back again, and, and so, but anyway, um, in the middle of that, I have used the definition of manhood. Uh, in, the, in many of the weddings I do now. And in the middle of all that, I will look at the guy and say, here's the definition of manhood. It is interesting, two reactions I get. One is the man's reaction to that. And oftentimes I get a nod out of it. I get a response of, wow, that's, that's right. I agree with you. I want that. The other one is the wife, usually at that point, doesn't look at me. She looks at him. And it's a really interesting piece because normally as, as, a, as a man is that close officiating the wedding, the attention is here, but at that point, typically, as I talk to him, suddenly she will turn physically and will turn and face him and will look at him almost with the, with the idea of it as, oh, will you do this for me? Okay. In some situations, I've had uh, wives who are getting married who have had good fathers and good role models. In some situations, this is the first potential good opportunity that they are going to have, and so they're looking forward to this in the days ahead. And so both of those things are kind of occurring. One of the major challenges that's going to occur is an idea of this supreme pursuit. What is going to be happening with our daughters? There is a, a challenge that's being given them by society, by the American culture, about a supreme pursuit. It is from home to career. From home to career. And so now they're being challenged that career supersedes home. It's, it's a new challenge. It's a profound change that has occurred among people in the last 40 years. Life for our little girls has been completely turned upside down, possibly in your lifetime. Maybe you've even watched it within your home or within society yourself. But this change is drastic. She was told over and over at school, by people, by TV programs, that the most important thing is a career is more important. It is a supreme pursuit over everything else. This is the ultimate adventure for the young lady. It's the self-fulfillment goals that every woman should have for herself. Those are the most important things. The new supreme pursuit redefines how a little girl thinks about herself, how she interacts with young men she grows up with. She is going to have a challenge of her aspirations and pursuits and her priorities, what they're supposed to be, because she is told the most important pursuit is the career now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that she should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen only kind of idea. But the idea that that should supersede, I'm talking priorities right now. What are opportunities? What is she capable of? What has God ordained her for? Uh, in fact, if you could, I don't know what page it's on. I didn't uh, have time to look this up. On, uh, we looked at what a woman wants, I think, um, the pursuits of a, of a lady. Is that right? What page is that on, Eric? Sixty-nine. Just a little bit back. It kind of gives a list of uh, these are characteristics of a lady. Anyway, th those are directly being challenged at this point. In the 1960s, a book came out. It was the, called *The Feminine Mystique* by Betty Friedan, and she said basically that homemakers are parasites. Okay, it was it was great. It was it was earth-shattering. It was like no way. Betty Crocker, you know, was was the number one selling uh, uh, baking goods product, okay? And so you were supposed to be at home. A door-to-door -door salesman were, uh, were known and was a common deal because when you knocked on the door, the lady would be home. There would be a, a, a presence there. But she wrote in 1960 that the homemaker was a parasite. Germaine Greer in 1970 wrote a book, The Feminine Eunuch, and she said motherhood is a handicap. Pregnancy is an illness. In the 60s and 70s, and many more books that came out, not necessarily as extreme as those two books, 
but a call nevertheless to get out of the home and into the workplace as the greatest pursuit. That's where you belong. Get out of the home. There was kind of a, a myth that even took place of the super mom. We'll talk about that further in just a minute. But get out of the home, pursue the super career. The second challenge that has hit our ladies and our, your young girls and possibly even have daughters and now are, are out of the home and they're being challenged with this themselves. The second is the decline of the traditional feminine values. It's the decline of the traditional feminine values. What, what, what is that? Let, let's, let's talk about this for just a second. Sharon Stone, I think, succinctly states this challenge. Here's her quote. As I see it, the choice today is between being feminine or equal. And I choose equal. Being feminine or equal, and I choose equal. That's the new reality that's hitting your daughters today. One generation ago, if you asked someone to define femininity, this is the things they said. Soft, virtuous, responsive, nurturing. Now you ask that question, and you get equal, assertive, sexy, independent. That's one of the values. Wow, 10 years. The complete different change in terms of words being used. Young women today are being excelling at competing with the men, but they're finding that in that acceleration of that competition that is taking place, they've lost the ability to emotionally interact and emotionally tie and bond with men. Because I've been in competition with men, not in a relationship with men, not connecting with, with men. And so a strange thing has happened. Let's look at, at Titus chapter 2. And it sounds strange possibly to our ears today. A few generations ago, this would have been just the normal. This would, absolutely, that's true. Listen to this. Old women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, that the word of God may not be dishonored. There's a lot of terms there. You go, whew, that almost seems archaic, almost seems old, seems impossible in some ways. And now there's a foreign sounding to us. What dads, what dads are emphasizing today uh, oftentimes disconnect with what Titus chapter 2 was talking about. There's a third challenge. It kind of com combines these first two. It's the absent mom. Despite all the sociological data that we have today that says how important and how critical it is for young men and women to have moms at home, yet young women are flooding the workplace, some having to, some being made to, but they're flooding the workplace. 67% of all mothers with children ages 4 and under are in the workplace. 67%. not going down, it's going up. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, the, listen to this. This is a, a professor at Harvard looking at daycare, studying what the daycare phenomena is and how well that would do and how that has produced uh, children in our society. After more than 30 years of research on how children develop well, I would not think of putting an infant or toddler of my own into a substitute care program. That's Dr. Burton White the director of preschool project at Harvard University saying that. After 30 years of research, I wouldn't put my own kid in there. I wouldn't do it myself. There's something wrong with that. We live in a world that we simply are like sheep. We follow the conventional manhood plan. We say, this is what we need. This is where we're going. This is what everyone else is doing. And we set aside to be an authentic man and say, we're going to reject that passivity. Because it's much easier to say, why, if you go to work, we will have all our, our needs financially met. We'll put our child in daycare where they will not hassle us that way. I'll give you some time away, and I'll be a conventional man, and we'll do it like everybody else does it. No, it takes effort. Let me say, Denise and I have made the choice that when our children were at home, that Denise would be at home. It has been financially tougher. It has been emotionally tougher. It requires more from me than if I would have simply said, honey, go to work, put them in daycare. That way they can handle the hassle of the kids. We can deal with that. Last night when I got home, I had to deal with my son who was being disruptive to a lady. He was, a, he was just being ornery, flat out. I'm teaching roles of a man last night, and while I'm doing that, he's being mean to a lady. He loves the lady. She's one of the favorite, favorite people she has down there. He thinks she's great. 
but he would not listen. Don't do this, don't do that. My first thing when I got home was, son, come here. That's not how we treat a lady. That's not how we act. It has nothing to do with church. It has everything to do with being a man. Let me tell you about what we're going to, how we're going to act. And so after a few uh, reminder lessons on the back end, then at that point we had a conversation that took place that was much more, was a, have you been acting this way? Is this, is this okay? Would you want someone else to treat you this way? We just went right through it. Our people, the absent mom, has created an environment in which many of our children need the idea of a man who's much more present. And also, let me say it this way, they need our mom's presence. They need our lady's presence. They need them to be involved interacting with, us, with them. So I'm afraid that many young men or women right now who are in junior high and grade school and high school, these young women are more and more uh, moms are flooding the marketplace. I'm afraid they're going to experience what many of us experience with our dads. The absent dad situation is going to turn around in the year 20, 2040, 2050 with a whole generation of kids that had an absent mom. They're going to be confused. They're going to be wounded. They're going to have no maternal instinct. There's going to be fear of homes and children for those ladies because they've never been at home. They don't know what that looks like. They're uncertain of what that means. They're going to be uh, recklessly pursued of, at all costs this new supreme uh, pursuit of career. They will not know where to go. They'll have something that they, they, don't, they know they're missing, but they're not sure what that is and how to get that back. And so let me uh, read an article to you. This is, I met your child today. Dear career mom, you don't know me. I'm just another mother. But I wanted to let you know that I met your child today. I, I was at an outing to the park with my own children when I met your child today. I was, uh, she's a beautiful little girl, obviously lacking from nothing materially. Her baby designer clothes look so cute, and she toddles along with, her big, with the bigger kids. The new van parked at the curb, and the abundance of workers indicated this must be a, referred as a quality child care agency. Several workers you pay to care for your children were gathered together, smoking, talking about and occasionally yelling at the, in the direction, general direction of the kids and constantly the bedlam that's taking place in the bed, on the playground. Your children seem polite and well-behaved. Your child seemed polite and well-behaved. And I'm sure you've taught her to be. But what captured my attention was the plea in her big round eyes as she made her way up to me, a complete stranger, and asked timidly, can you watch me? And her pleas for attention kept coming as I sat there with an eye on my own two children. Watch me. Did you do, uh, uh, watch me do this. Could you push me? Can I sit by you? The hunger etched on her face. Her special attention was so painful to see, it broke my heart. I wanted to scoop her up, hug her, and tell her she was special. But of course, the five-minute overtures could never replace the fact that all day, every day, she has no one, no number one. She's no, she's no one else's number one girl. Only three or four years old, and already... Her world is an institution. However learned, learning, centered, and high class it may be, she is not unique by any means, is she? The eager glances my way from the other little faces were just as painful. Your child just happened to get to me first. I was clearly not the first stranger she'd reached out to, nor will I be the last. Fortunately, I was a caring mother. I don't know her family situation or the myriad of reasons why you, her mother, must leave her each day. It really doesn't matter to me or to her. She's too little to understand about quality time or future college expenses. expenses. She probably doesn't even care if she's wearing expensive or thrift store clothes. She only knows she needs some snuggling and someone to watch her tricks on the swing. And if she was the only child at the park, for, for so, so from, from one mommy to another, I just thought you'd like to know I met your child today. I mean, I tell you that because you are an integral part of decision-making in your homes, it's important that you make some decisions that might be difficult, that may be difficult for you. It may be difficult for your wife. It may go against society. But you're making decisions that are going to have a tremendous, profound effect upon your children and upon your daughters. So what does a dad contribute to his daughter? Listen to these. According to major research studies, if a dad is present in the home, these things are true. Oh, by the way, a little side note. If this does not happen in a home, and, and you are that person who sees that other child who does not have that from home, and in child care and all that, it is a, it is a wonderful thing as a man, 
to step into that and to be a caregiver for others. And oftentimes, role models are not necessarily out of the home. That God is a father to the fatherless. That he oftentimes puts you in a situation where you can connect with a child and you can be that person, kind of a, a surrogate a parent, so to speak. And so often, oftentimes, you may be a grandparent. You may be, have uh, other children who are engaged in you, with you. At that point in time, I think you can also do some of these things for those children that are being absent, or parents are being absent in the home. So if a dad is present at home, did we know this? If he's loving his children, and his, uh, if he's loving his children's wife, if there's an emotional connection, a warm sense of bondedness between father and daughter, if they're strongly connected with the other, with in other words, if they are empowering their daughter in three significant ways, this is how they're going to connect with their daughters. If they do all if they're connected with them, um, here's here's here. Let me give you a background to say this is this is part of how I did this with my daughter. Uh, and again, she's 14, so we're still still kind of seeing the outcome. Okay, so there's still things going on. Okay, uh, every uh, Saturday morning, uh, I went to donut shop. We went to Dunkin' Donut. Uh, when we went there, the goal was not for me to read the paper. The goal was for me to get as much interaction and to get her talking with me as much as possible. That was my goal. So a cup of coffee, a donut, and as we sat there, eventually we even know, knew the people at Dunkin' Donut there in Branson, Missouri. We sit there. When we came to, to uh, Houston, we continued that for several years until she went to school. Now we go on dates and we do some other things to make that happen. But that beginning time, I asked her what, are the mo- what was the most significant times in your life. She says, I loved going to Dunkin' Donut. Really? That Was that important to you? What did we talk about? I don't know. You didn't care. You could care less. But by that connection, by this, that going to Dunkin' Donuts together, I also thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I can't sing, but you know what, I don't know how to. I raised in a family of four boys, had no idea how to take care of daughters, had Barbie dolls. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any idea what to do. Stuffed animals, what do you do with those things? I mean, it's just, I mean, I was balls and bats and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, what do you do? So I thought, you know, every night I'm gonna do a couple things. I'm gonna tell a story, if I can think of one. I'm gonna tell a story and I'm gonna sing to her. I'd grown up hearing songs at church. Now, again, I wasn't good in any way, but every night I sang to her, just songs. Now, it's interesting this day that she is uh, she was just in the school play here. She stole the show. She was phenomenal. Now, part of that was probably birthed back in, in, in the early days, just singing songs, and she grew up to love the music, but also connected this that when she gets on stage, she can just be something. She can just go out and do that. She can perform. You know, she has, she's uninhibited at those, those things. So... First of all, when you're a power daughter, when you're there, when you're connecting with her, these things can have, she will have a sense of security, an identity as a woman. The number one man in her life, growing up, by the way, is how she interacts with that person, will create for her a security and identity as a woman. You will help her as a man find, understand who she is as a woman. The contrast you give her between a man and a woman is critical. There is a difference. It is not sameness. There is a difference to that. And your interaction with her gives her the understanding of, oh, that's different than me. Oh, I get that. I see that. And now uh, her interaction, or uh, if you, but if you, let's see. Yeah. Also, secondly, if you, if you connect with her, you also help her relate to the opposite sex. This comes to reason. Not only do you give her, in a sense, a understanding of who she is as a female, but if she has a dad to connect with, then as she talks to boys, she has an, an understanding of how that works with, with a man because she's talked to a dad. So my daughter is now on AIM, got the instant message stuff going. But we have, you know, you got to ask before you made, you might have been to this, and you, before you made a phone call as a young man, you had a call, you had to talk to your mom before you made a phone call. Did anybody get to go up that kind of an environment before you made a call to a girl? I always had to ask before I called. I, I do the same thing with instant message. Who are you on with instant message? I want to know that. In fact, I'm going to look at who you talk to on your instant message. And so as you connect with that, on Facebook, nobody can get on your Facebook without us being involved with it. Out of, she cannot go to the computer and get out of her world, us get her, get her us out of her world. We're going to be connected to those things. So as she does Facebook, that was a big challenge. Should we have Facebook? A lot of, lot of predators out there, a lot of mess out there. Should we do that? Yeah, I think we should. But I think there should be some boundaries put on that. I think there's some things that we should interact with her on that. And so if she gets on AIM, we, we say, hey, great, don't mind you doing that. This is not going to be a free-for-all. You're going to do that in a public place. It's going to be a, a, a conversation that's not hidden from mom and dad. 
So as she's there, the computer's facing all the rest. We can come over her shoulder, see anytime. Hey, who are you talking with? What's that person's name? What's going on with that? Hey, let me see your interaction here in the last uh, last 20 minutes that you've had. Hey, you need to get off that. You've been on 20 minutes, half an hour's limit, you know. So if you're not, if you're going to get on later, you got 10 minutes left. That's all you get. And so making that interaction, but she's interacted with me, and so to interact with a boy is 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 not foreign to her. She has that connection point. The third thing we know is this: according to research, later on after they're married, they have a highly fulfilled sex life. Hmm. You didn't know that. If you have a bonded dad, there's a connection between her relationships with the opposite sex, an identity of who she is as a person, a female, and also third, there's a connection of a a potential for being highly fulfilled sexually. You say, why is that? Because sex for a woman is directly related to trust and admiration for a man. Sex for a lady is connected to trust. Why do we not physically get involved with our, with our wives before we get married? It is a trust issue. It is not a uh, can-I-perform issue. It's not a pair of shoes you're trying on. This is a person's heart. And so the number one thing that a lady connects with, sorry about that, it's graphic, but it works. So, but it, it, it's on, on the side of the idea of this connection point, the idea of why we're not physically involved with the lady who we're going to marry is because we're building a trust relationship. Now, men, you know this to be true. Sexually, a lady is not very interested in you once she has a, she's pregnant about eight, nine months, right? There's going to be a period of time in which the sexual satisfaction, if that's how you've connected with your wife, there's going to be a disconnect with her. After she has a baby, She's not very very interested in you sexually either because she says, you're the man who did this to me, okay? And she's not very happy with you about all that for just a, few, just a month or so, maybe a little longer, but she's a little, this all happened to me. My body is not like it used to be because of you, buddy. And so she, uh, so there's going to be a couple months period of time there in which your sexual relationship is going to be altered. They're going to be changed. Number one time of infidelity happens at that point in time in men's lives. And then you go, how could that happen? How could an affair go? You're having a child, this love relationship you have. But see, if you've been trustworthy before you got married in that kind of deal, the chances of you being trustworthy when that happens within marriage is then very high. The chances of, in fact, the statistics of a man who is a Christian man who's involved with his wife before he gets married, okay, and the chances of him getting divorced run the same. The chances of a person who is not involved physically with his wife, okay, before he gets married, the chances of his marriage lasting, it goes way up. The statistics don't even get like unbelievable difference on the statistics. I think uh, Eric even has some of the statistics on that if you want to double check with him. But the folks who get divorced, Christian people who get divorced, oftentimes you look back at it and you say, there's not a good trust relationship. Now this happens with our daughters. When we build a trust relationship with our daughters, the same kind of thing is true. A fulfilling sex life is possible because they built a trusting relationship with the dad, they have a trusting relationship with man, and when they get married, this admiration they have for their, this man is there. On the other hand, if the dad is not there, if he's not involved emotionally with his daughter, if he's not supportive or stable, if he's been absent or worse, if he's been abusive, if he's done any of those things, with little or no clue about the relationship between fathers and daughters, and the research says this, one of two things happens, and it gets expressed later on in the daughter's life as an adult. First, these daughters either develop personalities that are insecure and anxious, which means they have a difficulty in forming healthy relationships with men later on. The relational connections are always a fight. They're struggling with that. It's kind of like they want a healthy relationship, but they never had one. They don't know how to have it now at this point. My wife uh, was uh, two significant things happened in her uh, growing up years. One is her dad left when she was four. I had an affair. He was in Bible college, had an affair, had a, a family started, two children already, a separate, separate home. Okay, So he had his, his wife, two children, and he started then, uh, had a, an affair. Two months before, uh, two weeks before he graduated from Bible college, he left his first family to go be with his other family, never to turn church, never to have any kind of religious involvement with this family. He eventually raised five kids over here. These two. So my wife, at four years of age, dad left. Now, things occurred at that point with dad being gone. Uh, uh, much harder financially. 
uh, much more uh, unstable emotionally, uh, a much more uh, uh, lack of understanding of what's going on kind of deal. Some, having dad gone from the family caused a lot of difficulties just in high school. In college, she even got saved. In, high, high, in college, she met a, a wonderful Christian man who uh, was the all-star Christian guy at the campus. I thought, oh, finally, here it is. Six months later, he was called to be a pastor. A month later, he was, uh, had an affair with another person and left and never returned. Now, all those things happen, and this, this very thing here, the insecurity and anxiety in that, here's what happened. Some, young, some older ladies came in the midst of all this. She was the church secretary at the time. Some other ladies came into this. For the next three and a half years, she prayed. She went to God's Word, and God restored her through some older ladies, through some right relationship with her pastor there at the church, through some other people, gave her right relationship. And so she was restored from the years that she had lost. It was a pretty difficult situation. My, my wife had the insecure, anxious feelings of what is a right relationship with a man. These older ladies helped restore that in her life. Okay? So when I came into the picture, I didn't have this. So if you have potentially some, a person who you married or a person who you're interested in dating, at that point, and they have some of this, they didn't have a father there, and there's some insecurity and anxiety there, the possibility of having a healthy relationship is also there. It can be restored. It can be absolutely, God can step into a person's world and transform what wasn't there and make it new and give it, make it whole. Okay. So if you're wondering, oh, can this ever be restored, my wife is a great example of that being restored. But, yeah? I'd, I'd probably ask permission first before Obviously, I contact. Yeah, yeah make sure you ask yeah. permission from your wife on that. But I would, I would say, hey, would you be interested in that? These older ladies, my wife's life, it was unbelievable what happened uh, in regards to that. The second thing that occurs if a dad is absent is uh, not only are they insecure, but they become inappropriately self-assertive. They're inappropriately self-assertive. Because offending themselves off with dad or fighting against dad, they become angry or promiscuous. Some hating men because of what a dad had did to them. Just even being absent can be that. And so here's an interesting deal. If you go back to these ladies who wrote the books in the 1960s on feminism, you read, go through a list of them, the radical feminists. Each one of them, this is, this is for each one of them, common theme is they all had abusive dads. Wow. They had abusive dads. So they grew up where home, which dad was not there, dad was absent, or he was abusive. And when they got older, they either hated men or complained bitterly all the time about men. They also want society and wanted to change the policies within society because of those hurts. And so they really, in some ways, though, they become desperate, longing for what they could not get through a dad, so they try to set up regulations within government they try to set up a feministic society so they can be protected from those things. We know this to be true. As the way of the church, as the way of the men goes, so goes First Baptist. So the destiny of our daughters is tied directly to with the destiny of dad. Your involvement with your daughters, your involvement with the little girls at this church, your involvement with the ladies in this church will directly affect the direction of our ladies in the future. Okay? One of the most scandalous things that we could be involved with, the most scandalous things that can happen, is we as a society of men become selfish, become in, inward, and we start focusing on our own needs, which oftentimes lead into abusive, inappropriate connection with people. Okay? So one of the things that's critical to all this is that we are who all God wants us to be. Okay? So all these 22 weeks we've been looking at, goes to the 23rd week where it deals with the specific area of how we deal with daughters, how we deal with the ladies in our church, how we deal with ladies in society. Let me give you five practical ways of a dad to be involved with his daughter and how to help this out. First of all, establish a clear definition of what it means to be a real woman. What does that look like? Let's talk about some aspects of this definition. One, a real woman is one who, first of all, rejects worldly temptations 
for significance. She rejects worldly temptations for her significance, especially those that inhabit her core calling in life. See, the Achilles heel for a man is passivity. The Achilles heel from a woman is a counterpart to that passivity. Is I think that is a fact that a woman struggles with the deception of believing there is always something better out there. Remember the lie in Genesis 3? That, hey, did God really tell you the best? Is there something better out there? What if you did eat from this fruit? Then you'd really have your eyes open. So the temptation is, whatever it is, if I'm skinny, I should be large. If I'm large, I should be small. If I have a little bit, I should have more. If I have this, I should have that. And so they're always struggling to connect those emotional needs, those things, they're trying to connect it with, there's something better out there. So the Achilles Hill oftentimes for a lady is, is there something better out there? Is there something better than what God has for me even? Secondly, a definition is that she believe in God's priorities. You should believe in God's priorities. Some of you guys don't remember this but because you're too young, but in the 60s there was the idea of supermom. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And the supermom was the myth that you should be able to uh, fry up the bacon, love her husband, raise her kids, clean the house, and have a significant job outside the home, okay? And she can do all those things, okay? Now, about 10 years into that, it was then wrote that the supermom was a myth. They started writing all these books about the supermom and the myth of the supermom kind of idea, and both of those couldn't take place. Remember the Titus passage? Look at the first thing and ask for the lady so it says, do you have the passage? Can you put that back up there? This passage, Titus chapter 2. About, uh, sorry. Look at the first thing and ask that for an older lady to teach the younger lady. Older women teach the younger women, here's the first thing, to be sensible. See that? Now, again, several of the versions, actually, that's the first deal. But one of the first things it says is this idea of being sensible. Look at that. Love their husband, love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind. This idea of sensible is, means the idea of choosing wisely. It's the idea of choosing wisely. And so when you choose wisely, say, what does God say? Here's what, they, here's what these ladies did with my wife. Husband had left. Dad had left. What do I do now? In the first month, she did not want to eat. She did not want to live. She had a choice. Do I do my own thing? Or do I trust God? She was, she was at a fork in the road. She had come to salvation when she was younger. She had, had trusted God. She even had re, kind of committed that as she got into her, her uh, high school and then into her, her college years. Recommitted that. But now she's a fork in the road. I thought if I gave my heart to Christ that this would be the better thing, and I thought that would mean I'd have a better home than I had had. But I found I had the same home. Uh-oh. My husband left me. Never to return. Uh-oh. What do I do now? And in this month's time, these ladies, she'd go to this bankruptcy of emotions, not knowing what to do with all this. And she'd go into them and say, what do I do? And Vivian Gerson said one of the nicest things, Honey, I don't care when you feel it. I don't care how you feel it. You don't hesitate to give me a call, and we'll go to God's Word to see what God's Word says about it. Let's live sensibly. To live sensibly as a biblical woman, as a godly woman, means I trust God's Word over my own feelings, my own situation, my own circumstances. What does God's Word say? So at 2 o'clock in the morning, Denise would say, I can't sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond, I'm, I'm anxious. i got acid in my stomach. I'm, 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 I don't know what to do. Oh, honey, I understand. Let's talk for a little bit. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Hey, let's turn to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Hey, let's go to what, what Jesus said here. Let's go to, and so she'd take her sensibly back to God's Word. And they'd read that, they'd, they'd study that, they'd understand that. And so when you go back to that, this, this verse, older women teach young women to be sensible. Choose wisely. In 1990, some of you remember Barbara Bush, the wife of George Bush, was asked to speak at Wesley College, a liberal arts institute for women. When she was asked, the, woman, uh, the women of that institution railed against her in protest for her to come. They did not want her. Because, see, this was Barbara Bush Bush. She was an old woman. We don't need an old woman telling us what to do. We need the new woman. Okay? Now, the, things, the, the way things eventually worked out is she did get to speak at the commencement. Can you imagine? 
what she felt when she got up out of her seat to walk to the podium. Here's a group of people that rejected her. Now she's getting up to the podium to speak. After all this, she said, uh, we didn't want you, but here she is. Here's what she said. The choice that must not be missed as a woman is to cherish your human connections. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not, one, not winning one more verdict, not uh, closing on one more deal. But you regret time not spent with your husband, time not spent with your child, time not spent with your friends and your parents. You see, a real woman believes in God's priorities. These relationships, all these other things are simply excuses for. Okay, They're, they're tools for. And so those things are secondary, not primary. So those things, if, if, a, if a lady works outside the home, it is a tool not who she is. Make sense? The third part of the definition is she needs to be nurtured, uh, is, is she nurtures the next generation. She nurtures the next generation. Underneath these words, guys, nurture takes time. Just write that down. Nurturing takes time. Carve time out for your daughter. Carve time out for your wife to spend time with your daughter. Carve time out. Okay, that may mean you may not join another sports league because that would just that would take that much more time away. You might have to really go against some things. And finally, she should expect a greater reward. Let's go back to Barbara Bush. And finally, she should expect a greater reward. Barbara Bush, somewhere at the end of your life, if you've lived it well, you look back and you say. I have no regrets. You look back and you carve that time out. You spent that time. You've said there's nothing better than this. this is God's best. Then at that point, you look back. So the first thing is to establish a definition. Have a definition that you and your wife have worked through and you're on in agreement with that you have that you give to your daughter. Let her know this definition. Talk about this definition with her. Secondly, I encourage you to help mom. If at all possible, help your wife stay at home. Help your wife stay at home through these special the formative years. Now we're coming up in a situation in our own home in which my wife is going to go back to work. We have chosen that for private school, and that private school we think is important. And here's the number one thing that I feel like I get at FBA and I get at a private school. I get teachers who are 100% in support of what I believe, and I can be in support of what they believe. Or she's going to have to deal with all the world stuff. I call it a small town school. She has to deal with all the normal stuff that anybody has to deal with. A Christian school is not an environment of perfection or an environment of lack of hassle. Plenty of hassle goes on. Okay? But what I get is a teachers who are supportive. When I say, I think this is what's going on, I need some help here. Or if they say to me, hey, here's what's going on, I can say to fifth grade, there's all kinds of comedy. It was dramaville for my daughter and, and, and all the other girls. In the it, was, it was a drama. Every girl was mad and fighting and bickering everything else is going on, but I could go over to the teachers, I could listen to what they had, and I could support them at home. I could then come home and say, hey, I need your help on this. Here's what Abby's going through right now. Here's how she feels disconnected. Here's some of the conflict that's going on. I had complete support on those things. So we've chosen to go to private school. And so we think at this time, as going to the high school years, that that would be a, a miss for her to go to public school. And nothing against public school. I'm not saying that. But for us, we feel like that. And so Denise is going to have to go back to work. The only way it will happen. So when she goes back to work, but she were limited on what kind of jobs, she can only work at a place that has the same vacation schedule as our kids. That when school gets done, the kids aren't home and she's off of work. And so she'll have to work at the school. She'll have to make the connection. So we're looking at applying for those kinds of a places to, to work because we feel like that's critically important. Did you know that 75% of everything your child knows and will learn will happen before they're five years of age? Did you know that, man? That first five years is some of the most critical time. Let me tell you another great place for us as men. If we, our kids, have already been raised, one of the greatest places we can be as men is here at the church as men in the Sunday school classes. Unbelievable. You remember how many, how many adults or, or men did you have, not adults, how many men did you have uh, through grade school and, and underneath teach you? Public school, a few? Church? You remember them? Yeah. It's, it's either very few, but you know, I remember every single one of those guys. 
they, 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 for some reason, stand out in my mind. I remember the first guy that I went on a camping trip, a church camping trip with. It was one of the coolest things. I thought, man, I am Rambo. This is unbelievable. Let's go. I mean, we ate, we ate frog legs. Man, that's, that's cutting edge right there. That's pretty unbelievable. And so some of those things that go on, again, men, if you can get involved with and you can show them an example of what it means, it is an unbelievable. Seventy-five percent of what, what children learn happens in the first uh, five years of their life. This guy named William Maddox, I don't know him, his daughter uh, went to work in Washington in 1994. Robert Lewis tells his story. His daughter, Allison, was scheduled to meet with two women who called regularly as members of Congress. In the afternoon, they talked with a female uh, accountant and then a woman who practiced a law and now managed a team of writers. But Maddox got on to say that the best part of the day was when they were driving home in their car. All the stuff is going on. The best part of the day was driving home with his daughter. It is, that, it is then that I pointed out to my daughter, Allison, that some of the exciting tasks that she saw carried out by female college in the workplace are the very tasks my wife performed in that job in motherhood. Okay? So he got to, as they were talking, his daughter with these colleagues, he then got to point out, you know, that's what you learned at home. That's what your mom was doing at home. And so she used to, uh, write, uh, uh, to do writing projects and public speaking. She was a Phi to Beta Kappa from her college days. Allison, do you know that she was capable of doing any job she wanted? Your mom was unbelievable. She could write. She could speak. She could do all those things. But when we got married, she chose the most important task, and that was to raise you. Look at the gift your mom has given you. Look at this unbelievable thing. She values you, and she has poured her heart and life into you. And now as you involve with these female colleagues at these places, if you're involved with them, you have all this wisdom from your mother and all this connection. Well, the third, a real man will support and honor and cheer for true feminine values with his wife and daughters. He will honor them. He will reward the fact that they have values at home and as a husband and marriage and that he will lift those things up. I want my daughter involved in things. I want her to have experiences of life. I want her involved in sports. I want her involved in drama. I want to involve those things that school offers, not at the expense of home, not at the expense of who I am, not, not that she can go do those things ahead of everything else, but I want her to have those experiences. Man, I, sports, fifth grade, it was awful. It was, oh my goodness, drama every day, fighting back and forth. I mean, I got, I got a whole list of stuff that took place during fifth grade. Oh, I couldn't imagine. It just, sixth grade, she went to, uh, uh, decided to play volleyball. My, mom, my daughter's not athletic, okay? She, she likes to play because there's other people there, okay? So it's a social event for her. So she's going to play volleyball. Now, in volleyball, the sport taught her she's got to get along. She had to play as a team. It was only great. I've been telling this from all, all of fifth grade. I told her that. She couldn't hear it. But somehow in sports, she got that. Yes, volleyball. Now, she still couldn't hit the ball over the net. But hey, who cares? She learned how to play as a team. It was great. I loved it. And so oftentimes, I'm not putting down any kind of a, a person who has a career, who wants to have a career. Please don't hear that. I'm simply saying the priority of these things cannot be at the expense. Fourth, I think you should uh, date your daughter and stay involved in her life on a personal lever, level. I think you should date your daughter. Hmm. Donuts on Saturday morning. I have a little place called Sandy's that I take Abby. First time I took her there, it was so funny. Uh, Sandy's is, is, a guy, is not a guy restaurant, by the way. It is a, it is a buffet, so that's kind of good. It's kind of a health food place. So maybe, yeah, I like it. It's okay. But anyway, it's not necessarily a, a group of guys who are like, <laughs> beef. Let's go, let's go to Fogo de Chao. Let's go eat beef together. It's not that kind of place. It's a little bit different than that. But um, I took my daughter there. And when they, we go get our buffet, we get all the little foods, and we got a little salad stuff, and we got a little this and that. So we sit down, we eat. And then they come along with a tea cart, okay? And they make it, what kind of tea would you like? Uh, tea, what's that? Iced tea? I mean, what are we even talking about? And so they all oh, all these different flavors, and so we talk about the flavors a little bit. And, oh, well, let's get that one there. Sounds good. Oh, how would you recommend that? Uh, they get all these little fancy, and they give you this little thing, and you put it on a cup, and it pours out the bottom of it. And it tastes good, I guess. But anyway, we just sat and talked. When I got done with that first time at Sandy's, I said, how'd you like it? She says, 
I'll never be able to go back to ordinary life again. She was just mesmerized by it. She loved it. I had a, 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 it's one of those things in which she got to do something and be with Dad at that time with, with me, to be able to do something she wanted to do, was totally valuable. So be involved. Date your daughter. Be involved. Finally, you need to encourage and participate in ceremonies to celebrate true femininity. This is not mine, guys. It's, uh, uh, what do you call this? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's not mine. You might have thought it's, it, it's, it, it's my daughter's. Um, one of the, uh, again, I'm not an overly emotionally guy, but one of the most, uh, in fact, I just asked my daughter this a couple weeks ago, just to kind of check, I was asking some questions. I said, what are some most significant things that have happened? So she was listening to some. And one of them was the day she got this. It was one of the most significant days in her life. Now, it was all of, uh, for me, all of about a, an hour ceremony. Now, in the time, I sent her to GAs to learn about missionaries, but they also teach how to, how a young lady how to be a lady. And so, so we have things called milestones. We have some other stuff that goes on. But in this GA thing, one of the things she was so excited for was that she could be a princess at the end of it. At 12 years of age, she could walk forward. She got a lovely white gown. Her and mom went shopping for it. They got a little white gown. She wore that. She got to walk on the stage. We got to present her with the Bible. We got to present her with God's Word. We got to, and I, my wife and I were there. And instead of knighting like you would a boy, she got down on her knees. I got to put my hands on top of her. And then Pastor Greg put the tiara on her head. I got to be there and be a part of that. So this little tiara, she, you know where she puts it? Well, there were trophies. This is more important than the trophies. She has, she's a little sports. This is right in the front of it. Out of all the things she's gotten rid of her life, she doesn't get rid of this. So these ideas of this connection, this being a GA princess, I talk about with her about giving her away. There's a day coming that I they do not play butterfly kisses. Okay, all you are banned from playing butterfly is banned. It makes me cry every time. I cannot take it. I'll be a blubbering fool on the day of that I, I give her away that the butterfly kisses comes along. I can't stand that song. And so anyway, I'm kind of kidding, kind of. And so. Uh, but the whole idea of talking about giving away, talk about those things. Uh, oh, one other thing is I've also sought, I'm a singles minister, so as a singles minister, there's a lot of young ladies that I want to introduce Abby to. And so uh, there's these ladies who are living godly lives. So I've had two of those ladies be her mentor. Hey, would you mind just spending some extra time with my daughter? Would you, would you mind doing that? I've watched you love God. I've watched you pursue God. And I think, and so my wife and I approach that young lady and say, would you mind just taking time? Once a, once a month, would you do that? And she says, yes. She, so it is hard today to raise a daughter, isn't it? A lot of stuff is going to battle you guys. There'll be a lot of difficulties on it all. But it's something we've got to do. Because I really, truly believe that dads, men of this church, we are the destiny for our ladies. And how we then portray that, how we give that, how we celebrate their femininity, how we celebrate who they are, I really believe, makes a total difference. Let us pray. Father, thanks for your great love for us. Thanks for the diversity. Thank you for how you made male and female. Thank you for how you have uh, created men uh, and created women in your image. So there's a value to both. There's incredible value. that Your son died for all of us. That you're the value, the desire to redeem man was so important to you, so... Uh, much greater that you'd give your only son. And so, Father, let us value people. Let us value men. Let us, let us, let us be all that we can be for you, Christ. But, Father, let us treat women with unbelievable respect and honor. Let us love them, cherish them. Let us treat them with high honor. Let us place them high. And let us uh, treat them as a valued part of our, our society. Father, let us as men who have the privilege of raising daughters uh, be good men with that. Let us be active in their lives. Let us, well, we don't, sometimes we don't know what to say or what to do, but Father, just give us the wisdom, if nothing else, to be present and to speak what we do know into their lives. Father, if we don't know some things, Father, I pray we get the resources to go find those things out. We, we seek those things. For us that maybe you know, are not raising daughters, Father, I pray that you'd give us the wisdom of how to be, connect with women, connect in Sunday school and church and within society, and that we'd be a, a honorable men that help out with that. Thank you again for these men that have come early, that have been in many weeks. Father, I pray that you take these valuable lessons, 
you place a little nugget of gold in their heart, and the time that they need to, to, to bang out a ring to give their daughter away, when, they, when that time comes, that they've had these treasures in their heart, the goal is there, the resources are there to be able to do those things. Thank you again, Father, for all that you've done in our hearts and lives. May you continue doing more. May we be submissive, first and foremost. May we humble ourselves with the King of kings, the man of man. Uh, may we give ourselves completely to you, Father. In Christ's name I pray.